coming into adulthood, my thing is, has always been just to overcome. Like, well, if you, you had this experience, something bad happened, um, well, you can be stronger. You can be, you can be bigger. You can, you can deal with it. Um, you don't want to burden other people with, um, with whatever you're struggling with. So you just either, either figure it out on your own or you just move on. (laughs) So, um, I, I think, um, even to, to think about things like little T trauma to me is like, well, little T trauma, that's just life. Like, that's just like everyone <laughs> goes through difficulties and you just have to kind of toughen up and, and make it through. So I think now I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying like, that's kind of like my dis, my predisposition is to come at topics like this. Welcome into the harvest. I'm truly excited today because I get to introduce someone to our listening and viewing community. Heidi Cummings is with me. And Heidi, you're going to be a new face and a new name for a lot of the folks who are listening to this particular episode. But you've actually been part of the Into the Harvest team for over a year, over half a year now. And folks have been hearing from you. They just haven't realized that they're hearing from you. And uh, we're also planning for folks to hear from you more in the future. So welcome onto the show. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, who you are and your heart for making disciples. Yes, Andrew, thank you. I'm happy to be here so people can uh, hear my voice. Um, those, uh, I feel like the Into the Harvest um, captions, like social media captions may have gotten a little bit sassier that's when I started. So, um, <laughs> just so everyone was clear. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've loved being with Into the Harvest uh, since last summer. I love the mission. Um, I started following Jesus like eight years ago, um, through a actually fairly traumatic event, um, that the Lord was super faithful to, pluck me out of the life I was living and place me here in uh, Columbus, Georgia, where I've currently live. Uh, I've moved around a bunch since that time, but I'm back here in Columbus. Um, and yeah, I think just, I love the, um, just the call that Jesus made to us at the end of Matthew, um, when he told us to go make disciples. Um, so I try to do that, um, and surround myself with people who also try to do that and, um, understanding that I am not the one who makes disciples. The Lord is, but I have a peace and I'm super thankful. Well, if folks can't pinpoint exactly when you came on the team, the team, it would have been around June of last summer. So you've actually, the role that you play here in Into the Harvest is you really help us with our social media presence, but also with our emails. So really you are sort of like the, the front door to Into the, the message of Into the Harvest going out uh, across the airwaves. And so you've, you've done a great job and I've been super blessed to have you on the team and I'm excited about how the Lord is, is using you to, uh, to grow this, this mission and, and what we're trying to accomplish where we're, we're trying to encourage people like we talked about last week with John, 
about giving people, helping people deepen their convictions, giving them confidence, but also giving them clarity so that they can be disciples. You know, you mentioned Matthew 28, 19, which we find there the last words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew's gospel. And of course, the first words of Jesus are in chapter four. So Matthew 4, 19, Matthew 28, 19. And I love it because it's such a, it's such a great reminder for us that this is what it means to be disciples, that Jesus is calling us to come and follow him and then to go and make disciples. So we're always in motion as followers of Jesus, drawing near and then going out and sharing him with others. And I know that that is something that has been on your heart, that, that's been part of your life for years now. And so um, it's right in line with what we're trying to do. I We're going to be talking about trauma today and how trauma affects our faith. It affects our walk with the Lord. It also is a part of the lives of people that we're trying to minister to and disciple. So um, you had mentioned that trauma was part of the story of how the Lord brought you to himself. So would you mind sharing some more about that experience and, and what it did in your life? Yeah. So, um, so I am originally from California and I was a personal trainer, um, in my early twenties. Um, and I loved it at the time and I was really successful, uh, really early in my twenties. I just had everything that I thought I wanted, but no matter what I did, I just couldn't find satisfaction. So I had grown up going to church with my family, but I was never interested in God. And specifically, I was never interested in somebody else being in control of my life. And so, but, you know, I was, I had everything I wanted, but I couldn't find satisfaction. So I started reading the Bible one night. I read a couple of chapters in Matthew, actually, and I went to bed and I woke up in the middle of the night that night because the Lord was telling me that I was going to a uh, different country to help uh, people who um, started a gym there um, so that they could um, make disciples. So, yeah, if I can jump in right there. So, so some folks are familiar with this concept that, you know, there are many countries in the world where you can't just go in as a missionary. You know, these are, these are countries where if that's what your purpose, your stated purpose of being there is, you're not going to get access to that country. However, there are places where you can go in and set up businesses, legitimate businesses that have nothing to do with faith. And because of your background as a personal trainer, this was one such business that was set up to be a legitimate, uh, you know, fitness and and training, physical training business. But it was run by believers who loved the Lord and wanted to share their lives and their faith with clients or neighbors or whoever they came into contact with. And so the Lord was basically moving in your life to, or giving you a dream, I guess, it sounds pretty wild, where you were going to go from California and you had never been in a, a situation like this. So yeah, how did that strike you? Did you did you worry that you had eaten something spi- spicy the night before? Or how did you know that this, was, yep. <laughs> that this was from yep. the Lord? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, I honestly... And I, I, I wasn't even clear at the time and I'm still, 
I don't think it was a dream. I didn't hear a voice, but I woke up in the middle of the night knowing that this is what I was going to do. And I panicked, panicked. Absolutely. I just thought, I mean, I thought that God must not like me like that, Hmm. that planted a seed for me actually. Um, and I begged him not to make me do that. Like anything, but this I'll do anything, but this, but it took me a couple hours. I was like pacing my apartment at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and just, I knew the whole time I was arguing with the Lord. I knew I was doing this and I didn't realize at the time, but I realize now that is when I got saved. That is when, I mean, I told the Lord, whatever you tell me to do for the rest of my life, I'm doing it because I never want to feel like this again. So Hmm. me getting saved was a act of self-preservation. I understand that, but it is what it is. The Lord used it. I think that's, um, I heard a quote once years ago and I've shared this on the podcast, but it was like on the, on a Christian radio station, I was driving, commuting to work. And it was just something that he said that has always stuck with me. And he, he made this statement that where Jesus goes, he goes as Lord and where he lives, he rules. And it, the, the point that he was making was, you know, many of us, we believe in Jesus, we have faith, but we're not receiving Jesus for who he is, which is Lord. And the, the, the last thing that Jesus told his disciples w- was to go and make disciples. But that was coming out of his statement that all authority had been given to him in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. And so when we, when we truly become people of faith, we talked about this last week, that one of the many acronyms or alliterations that we, we talked about, the main one was actually the three Bs, to believe in, to belong to, and to become like Jesus. And so many of us, we may believe in Jesus, our idea of who Jesus is, but we don't really understand what it means to belong to Jesus. And you know, Corinthians talks about this, that we've been bought with a price and that we no longer belong to ourselves. We now belong to Jesus. And so I, I don't think it's, uh, I think it's really cool that your moment of faith involved a surrender of your independence and a willingness, uh, a laying down of your autonomy to begin to follow Jesus, even if that meant him sending you and putting you in a circumstance which was completely new and unwanted on your part. <laughs> yes. I mean, that is definitely surrender. There was a lot of surrender that before I even went to the country. So I hope people but, can I hang mean, on to that. Everyone's in a different place, but if you're listening today, um, it's a good question to have is, you know, do you have that kind of relationship and commitment to the Lord that you are interested in hearing from him, what his plans and purposes are for you and you're willing to go and to do whatever it is that he, he calls you to do. Mm, yeah. Amen. And, and I think that's, there is absolutely we have responsibility in that. And if we're walking in step with the spirit, he is the one who's guiding that anyway. So if you're willing, like, you know, we're just the clay, he's the potter. And for whatever reason, I just was on the fast track of, uh, <laughs> surrender and take action immediately. So, so this happened, you, you basically had this experience where middle of the night, you just have this overwhelming sense that the Lord is calling you to to take a step that you never would have decided to do on your own out of left field. 
How long between that experience in where you're waking up and spending hours uh, in turmoil? Because you did, you did actually do this. You you moved overseas and you spent time. What was the timeline between that all playing out? Yeah, it was eleven months. Um, so the time I um, this happened in the middle of the night. I got connected with the people in the in country and I was just so honest with them. I was like, I have no idea who you are or what you're doing or nor do I really care. Um, I don't even know where this country is, but I feel like God told me that I'm coming. So what do you, what should I do next? Um, and they were really <laughs> gracious with me. <laughs> they, uh, they had this other couple FaceTime me several times and I didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything that was happening, but that couple discipled me. They were the first people to ever disciple me. Um, but again, I had no idea. I just knew I was getting on FaceTime with them and they were asking me about the Bible and asking me about like getting ready to go to this country. So, um, then I, I went to a conference, uh, met some wonderful people who I still love very much. And the people whose house that conference was in, uh, invited me to live in their house. And I, again, did not want to do that, but I, I sure did. I sure did. (laughs) And this was not in California. No, this is, this was in, yeah, this was in (laughs) Georgia in Columbus, Georgia. Yep. So, um, four months after I started following Jesus, I, had quit my job and moved to Georgia into these people's houses that I had met one time, um, house, the only one house. And then I was there for seven months. And then that is when I, I had my one year anniversary of following Jesus in the country that he told me I was going to, which was kind of cool. (laughs) Very cool. And then just full disclosure, that's really how we connected is that some of those folks that were involved in the middle there, our mutual friends, even though you and I did not know each other, and even though I am now here in California, um, we connected through some of these mutual friendships, and it's it's been awesome getting to know you and and becoming friends and partnering together. One thing that we are convinced of is that you know in Matthew thirteen, when Jesus tells the parable of the wheat and the weeds, or the wheat and the tares, he describes um, a field, a harvest field. And he tells the story about how the owner of that field planted wheat. And then in the middle of the, of the night, an enemy came in and sowed tares or weeds that looked just like the wheat until they matured. And when Jesus explains the meaning of that parable, he says that the field is the world. So the whole world is, is a field that belongs to the owner, which is Jesus. And Jesus is planting wheat, which are the sons and daughters of the kingdom And one of the reasons why I love the idea of into the harvest is because you don't have to find the harvest. You're already in it. All of us are in because the whole world is the harvest. And all that we have to discern is, well, what corner of the harvest has the Lord called us to? Where has he already placed us? And then what does it mean to live faithfully for him and to work in in our own Uh, corner of the harvest. But stories like yours are always inspiring to me. I also feel like, you know, people who are not believers and who stumble across a story like this, whether it's on YouTube or, or they're 
maybe just talking to you in person, like it does not make sense to them. There's a, uh, there's a verse in second Corinthians five, where Paul says that if we are out of our minds, it is for the Lord. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. And that's, that's really, I think, um, what discipleship looks like is like, it seems there's stuff that we do that seems completely crazy to someone who doesn't have faith. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but we're also, so, but we're called to do it. Like we're called to be out of our minds, so to speak, to do crazy things, to take these, these steps of faith because of our trust in Jesus. And yet at the same time to be of sound mind so that we're able to have conversations and to be helpful, uh, to others. And sometimes this is the, uh, the challenge that we face. Yeah, it's yes, absolutely. It's, it's always funny when I meet people and share that story and, and they're not interested at all. And they do look at me like I'm an alien and that's okay. <laughs> I just, it's taking one for the kingdom, you know? Yeah. Well, now you said something, was this the traumatic thing that happened or, or was there other, other events that had happened? That was, that was the main traumatic event. It led into other traumatic events. Um, I, uh, just really quick, um, when I started getting serious after I went to that conference, um, I went through some spiritual warfare stuff. Um, and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything. I had never started reading my Bible until that night. And so I didn't realize that, uh, the enemy, um, can masquerade as an angel of light. Um, so the enemy started telling me lies. Like if you go to this country, um, you're actually going to end up in a completely different country that at the time was completely war torn, um, terrorist galore. And not just, you're going to end up there, but, uh, I had the vision of, I don't know if you've seen the Iron Man, the first one Mm -hmm. when he's in the cave. Um, but I thought I was going to be in a cave like Iron Man. Um, so, that was horrible. And, and I got the same feeling that I got when the, when the Lord told me what I was actually going to do. And so I thought that it was the Lord and I, I didn't, I didn't have the discernment to understand the difference. So that lasted months and months and months. Um, and yeah, there was, I mean, quitting my job and moving across the country is also fairly traumatic. (laughs) Um, So there was, there was, there was a lot, that was a tough, tough time. Um, but I look back and, and I just think I learned such important lessons in that time. Mm-hmm. I had to learn, like the Lord used that. I had to learn that the Lord cares about me, not just what I can do. So. And we're going to get into this. We're really, the heart of what we're going to talk about today is, trauma, like you said, many folks don't realize they've even experienced trauma or that they're carrying trauma and that they have been for years. They've never really dealt with it or faced it, processed it. And because of that, it's, it's affecting their lives, but, um, just as importantly, it's, it's affecting their relationships, their relationships with other people, their relationship with God. And so we, we are going to dive into that because we want to be able to identify, well, first of all, what, what is trauma and how does it show up? How, how do you know if you've experienced it? And then how to, how to bring it to the Lord and to process it in a healthy way 
that enables you to mature and and to move up and through that trauma to um, a closer relationship with the Lord and the capacity to have healthy, close relationships with others, because trauma often will actually be something that prevents us. It basically uh, stops us in our tracks from moving forward with those relationships. So why don't we shift gears there, Heidi, and, and just begin to talk some about trauma and and what it is. Um, I think you and I, I hope that we can really dive into this because I think we're probably coming at this from much different perspectives. And mm-hmm. so I'm excited about uh, learning together, but but actually really hearing from you um, what you've learned about trauma. And so why don't we start with just defining it? What is trauma in in terms of what we're describing? Yeah, well, I think there's there's actually two um, kinds of trauma. I, I call them like big T trauma and then little T trauma. And big T trauma are the things you think of like car accidents, death in the family, very um, visibly traumatic events. But then there's also little T trauma, which are um, they're like getting bullied or, um, you know, small things that people don't define as trauma, right? Um, and they're not actually small. I shouldn't use that word, but they're, they're smaller than a car accident. Right. Um, but they're both trauma. And the thing about little T trauma is that it's, it's like sneaky. It's, it, you know, it's like getting a paper cut. You get a paper cut and it hurts. But if you have like 50 paper cuts on your arm, suddenly you're like, you have to go to the hospital, it's the same kind of thing with little t trauma. Like if that thing happens over and over again, it becomes big t trauma. Um, so there are, I mean, just in all of our lives, like we've, we've all actually been through trauma and go through trauma on a regular basis. Um, but I think the thing that makes it a, an actual like traumatic event is not the event itself it's what happens afterwards um and usually it's the people who you go to who should be caring for your trauma um if those people kind of brush it off or don't treat it like helping you move through it um then it turns into a traumatic event that you end up carrying whereas on the other end right if you could have two people go through the same thing And if this person's, um, the people closest to them really help them process what the event that happened, it wouldn't necessarily turn into a traumatic event for that Mm. person where it would for the other person who's more isolated. Yeah. The image that comes to my mind, and this may not be a good one, so I'm just, it's, it's what pops into my head, but if you take it back to childhood and, and you're riding your bike and you you have a crash and you, you skin your knee. Okay. Well, that's traumatic, especially at that age, if you've never hurt yourself in that way. Um, and then, or, or maybe even like something else that just popped into my head. Like I had a friend when I was growing up and we were playing, um, football in the backyard and he went to catch the ball and just the way it hit his thumb was at the wrong angle. So he ended up, uh, he broke his thumb, but um, it was pretty gnarly, like, you know, like, cause, and we're all like 10 years old. So suddenly his thumb is like, 
it's like facing the same direction as his wrist. And so oh. it's just like, it's really traumatic oh. because like you never, you didn't see it coming. You didn't expect it. It looks obviously wrong. Like that's not the way <laughs> a thumb is supposed to look. And so, you know, you have this now it's something that's very, um, addressable. Like it, he ended up, you know, having it set and he was in a cast for several weeks and then, you know, made a full recovery. But if he had run home and, you know, full of fear and pain and, and his parents had just been too busy to even talk to him or to acknowledge or to help him get help for that injury, then trauma is not just like the event that happened, the, the injury that happened playing football, but it's, it goes much deeper in terms of the, the, the feeling of hopelessness and the lack of response from people that you would have expected to be able to rely on to help you get through whatever traumatic experience you, you had just had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's such a good example. Um, we use an example of, um, if you broke your ankle, right? Like you would go to the doctor usually if you didn't mm -hmm. go, then it would affect you for the rest of your life, right? You'd have a limp. Hmm. It would not heal correctly, but in, especially in our culture, we don't view like emotional wounds the same as we view his physical wounds, right? With hmm. an emotional wound, we tell ourselves and, and each other to an extent, it'll be fine. Just stay busy. Just don't think about it. It's fine. Hmm. When we would never do that for a physical wound and the hmm. ramifications are, essentially the same. It will affect you for the rest of your life if you don't heal the, the emotional wound. We've got some resources that we're going to put in the show notes here for this episode, but they were very helpful for me. I, and this is where I say, I think maybe, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. I think maybe we, we probably come at this topic from a different point. Um, I, I think by, by temperament, maybe by upbringing, I don't know. I, I don't want to blame my, my parents because I think they were great. But I definitely um, grew up with whatever caused it. <laughs> like coming into adult, adulthood, my thing is, has always been just to overcome. Like, well, if you, you, you had this experience, something bad happened, um, well, you can be stronger. You can be, you can be bigger. You can, you can deal with it. Um, you don't want to burden other people with, um, with whatever you're struggling with. So you just yep. either, either figure it out on your own or you just move on. <laughs> so, um, yep. I, I think, um, even to, to think about things like little T trauma to me is like, well, little T trauma, that's just life. Like, that's just like <laughs> everyone goes through difficulties and you just have to kind of toughen up and, and yep. make it through. So. I think now I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying like, that's kind of like my dis my predisposition is to come at topics like this. And, and I really don't mean to make light of it because, you know, we have had with parenting, we've had our, you know, several of our children have gone through, I would say very traumatic experiences, um, in their teen years and, um, like very traumatic things <laughs> that they went oh. through that, but as we were trying to help them work through it, even in those scenarios, it's sort of like, I know other family members, you know, aunts, grandparents who went through even more difficult things and still lived a great life. So, I mean, my tendency, even as a parent is to say, 
hey, you can, yes, it's, it's, it's a real thing that you're feeling, but you need to, to be stronger and to, mm. to overcome it, which at the time probably felt like a parent who was saying like, yes, your thumb is hanging in the wrong direction, but <laughs> you know, you just need to sort of deal with it. So I've, I, I've, I've learned and I want to be more, to continue to learn, to, to be more empathetic, uh, because even if I myself, um, you know, may, may not have experienced as many traumatic things that I can identify, I know that many of the people that I'm interacting with carry wounds that are just below the surface that you, you may not ever see until you're close enough that they're willing to open up to you. They may not even be willing to open up to you if they've opened up to other people and been shut down in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And that is so valid. That's if you've opened up and been shut down, I mean, you're like 10 times less likely to do it again. Why would you? Cause mm. you're, you're opening up a wound and no one is helping. And in fact, potentially making it worse. And so, um, yeah, that's, it's really valid. Um, and I think Andrew, just that is our culture of like, a, just be tougher. Just mm. it's okay. Like it'll be okay. That's our culture. Our culture has taught us that. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that it's just kind of flipped. Like, well, in order to be tougher, really, <laughs> you have to be softer, right? You have to go into it. Um, so okay, but yeah. have you seen have you seen this video? I probably shouldn't even bring this up, but it's like a simple meme video. It's where there's a guy walking and it's, it's by decades, right? So it's like, if you grew up in the seventies and he walks into like a door frame, did you see this? Like, no. so it's a guy walking, he walks into a door frame and, and he just uh, kind of shoots at a dirty look and he, he keeps walking. And then like for the guy that's in the eighties, um, he hits the door frame and he kind of says some things to it, but then he keeps walking. And then in, in the nineties and the two thousand, by, by the time he gets to the two thousand, it's like, he runs into the door frame, he falls on the ground, he, he pulls out his phone <laughs> and takes a, uh, a photo. So I think that's part of what we're up against too, is there, there is a shift in our culture where, you know, many people, I think they're almost overly focused on themselves and the, the hardships that they go through. So somewhere in there is the reality of discerning what is genuine trauma um, that you need to address in a healthy way. And then what are those things in life that we just want to be stronger people? When yeah. he, we're going to link to, um, Adam Young and a couple of podcast episodes that he has that I think will help people explore this, but he described trauma as a wound that changes the brain. Mm -hmm. And that was really helpful for me is that, um, this isn't just something that happened to you. It's, it's something that changed your brain in a real way so that the way you experience life and live life going forward is different. And then he said that there were two characteristics. One was a feeling of helplessness. So this was something that happened that not only could you not control it in the moment, but it created a sense of helplessness that goes with you going into the future. And secondly, you mentioned this earlier, it's an abandonment from those who could have protected you. So when those two things are present, where you, you feel helpless to 
have prevented or to have dealt with the thing that happened. And you felt abandoned by those who could have helped you or protected you. That creates this lasting wound that actually changes your brain and the way you think and see life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not a complete proponent for like the saying perception is reality, but I kind of am. Mm-hmm. Your perception of reality, as skewed as it could be, that's still reality for you. And right. especially when you've gone through trauma, you can't, someone can't tell me, you're just looking at that wrong. Just change your, just, just change it. Hmm. That is a really big ask. Hmm. And, and it's, it, it can be done, um, but it takes time and kindness and help. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I know people are listening right now who I'm sure immediately, like you're thinking about things that have happened to you in your past that maybe you haven't shared with anyone, but that absolutely affect your willingness or ability to open up to others that completely affect your relationship with God and your understanding of how he views you and his expectations and whether or not he's pleased with you or disappointed with you. Um, you know, three indicators of trauma that were really helpful for me as we were preparing for, for today's conversation. Um, I'll just read them. And then if you want to, to comment on any or all of them, Heidi. So the three indicators of trauma are first problems with disproportionate emotions. So something happens in the future and you react either, you either overreact or you underreact. Um, so to, to things that are happening in your current situation because of trauma you experienced in your past, disproportionate mm-hmm. emotions. A second indicator of trauma is that you do have these problems with interpersonal relationships, that there's a blockage that you can't get past with others. And then the third, problems receiving kindness, care, and comfort to include from yourself that you don't give yourself the, um, you're not kind to yourself uh, because of, of past experiences with trauma. So all three of these things, if, if you're trying to discern, well, was that a traumatic event? You know, these are three indicators that might show you that, yes, there are issues that you need to address. Yeah. And I, I think, and I can just talk from a, a personal experience, but um, so I started listening to the Adam Young's podcast. It's called a place we find ourselves and we are going to link it in the show notes. Highly recommend it. But I found that I kept identifying with guests who had been through trauma and it took several friends telling me, yes, Heidi, that makes sense. You've also been through a fair amount of trauma. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't realize, even though I had, I had, you know, studied trauma to a, to a, an extent. Just looking back on my life, and then like I was able to start seeing, um, like piecing things together for myself. Like um, I don't generally have a problem with um, disproportionate emotions, but there are situations when I absolutely do. Um, and there's, there's, I mean, you mentioned it like, um, 
big and and too small, right? There's emotional mm-hmm. overwhelm and then emotional dissociation. Um, right. And so, yeah, I can at wrong moments totally dissociate when I should feel a certain type of way. And then I, I can also in different scenarios become mm-hmm. emotionally overwhelmed when I don't need to. Um, and I've just been able to see like, they are specific scenarios for me. So it's not just random. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think, um, I think this is where I do want to do like self-reflection. Like I, I, I thought leading up to this conversation, like, well, what's the most traumatic thing that, uh, I can remember happening to me. I definitely know the most traumatic period of my life and it's really what led me to faith. <laughs> so I think that's another thing to keep in mind is that God will often let us go through these experiences. And even though they are traumatic, it doesn't mean that that God was not in there, that he did not, in his sovereignty, allow us to go through those experiences. In fact, we would say quite confidently that he was aware and that he did allow us to go through those things which is challenging to our faith to, to think that God would let us go through um, difficulties and, um, you know, violations of, of mm-hmm. trust, um, wound, wounds from others that we should have been able to rely on. God lets us go through those things oftentimes to bring us to himself and, again, to, to deepen our uh, trust in him and our ability to, to be compassionate to others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, second Corinthians, we, we prayed this before we started recording that, that God is the God of all comfort who he comforts us in our afflictions so that we can comfort others. Uh, but you can't really get to that point of being able to comfort others unless you yourself have gone through being comforted. You've, you've processed. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, once you've identified that, yes, these traumatic this traumatic thing has happened to me. Maybe I've been carrying it for years now. I'd like to move through it. Like how, how do I do that? Yeah. So there's a really great diagram for anyone who loves tools. Um, it's called the U diagram and it is kind of a reflection of, well, if you think about a piece of paper, right, you start up top, you draw a U and then at the other end you come back up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically like the, the top is the, the top left of the paper is where you're at before you go into the trauma. So you're, you're kind of okay. You're kind of not just not dealing with stuff. And then you go into the bottom of the U. Um, and that is when you essentially, I mean, it, it's likened to the death of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. You are getting into something that you don't want to get into. Um, and it is painful and there is a feeling of, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be stuck here or -hmm. I'm going to be worse. I'm not going to be able to get out. I can't stop crying. I'm never going to be okay. But if you stay in the bottom of the U, you will come out the other side, right? And the other side is healing. Hmm. 
um, it's, it's being healed from that. And so that can look like, I think what I've seen the most transformational way that that has happened is, um, processing it with other people, like people that you trust, um, mm-hmm. not just anyone, <laughs> right. um, but having, having people there who can hold your trauma with you and help you process it and then staying in the bottom of the U for a little bit longer than you want to. Um, mm-hmm. And then that just inevitably leads to healing. And I've experienced that in my own life. I've seen other people experience it. So, Yeah, it's a great, it's a great visual. I, again, I'll put a uh, link to an article that folks can check out that just quickly walks through, you know, it's, it's a short blog article that walks through the U diagram. But if people think of it as a valley, and like you mentioned, we can really even think of the life of Jesus and, and especially the death of Jesus. So if you think of Good Friday as the starting point of that U, I mean, that was a very traumatic experience um, for Jesus. Um, the ultimate betrayal and pain that he underwent um, and of course, you know, we know that Sunday, you know, that's Easter Sunday that when God brought him back from the grave, you know, that's like the other side of the U, but in between you've got Saturday, which is, um, a day of, of death and darkness. And you can't really get to Sunday <laughs> unless you go through Saturday. And that's really what this diagram helps us. If, like you said, if you, if you need a framework to just think through, how to move from this this traumatic experience through to the other side where you do have freedom and release and life. Um, what we want to do oftentimes is just uh, either st- either we're stuck on Friday and we never do get to Sunday, or we just want to hyperspace to Sunday and not really have to go through that that period of death and darkness, but the Lord is calling us to walk through that, just like Jesus um, was in the grave on Saturday. Um, and like you said, well, what does that what does that look like for us as we're trying to process trauma? It's really looking at those that experience in in the face, someone else being able to be there to help us process it but not glossing over it, not minimizing it, but, but truly telling the story and telling the emotions that, that that story evokes and sharing that with someone else. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we, especially as followers of Jesus, have a tendency to do, um, it's called popping up. It, and what that just means is that we we don't want to say, we, we'll go to the bottom and then we pop up. We don't want to stay in the bottom because it hurts. And so we say things like, Mm. but I know I'm supposed to forgive them Mm. or, but Jesus took care of that. Right. And all of that is true. Right. Those are true statements. (laughs) True statements. Yes. True statements. Yes. You're not lying. However, (sighs) that in that moment is just not helpful and it's actually harmful because you're not allowing yourself, you're, you're opening it up and then you're not allowing yourself to heal. You're, you're kind of just trying to numb it again. Um, so really just the value of like just sitting in it, even if, I mean, I also, this is again, a personal thing, but I will write stories down in Mm. 
detail, like traumatic events down because I just feel like there's a, there's the Holy spirit works when there's a pen and paper. <laughs> um, and, hmm. and I like, rem- I remember things as I'm writing them down and I get into the emotions and that is hard. I am in, when I do that, I'm in the bottom of the U for probably a couple of days. Hmm. Um, but I come out of it and the events I can say, the events that hmm. I have done that with are like, a shadow of what they were at one point in my life. And so, um, just the bottom of the view. I mean, it, it, it stinks. Um, but hmm. it's worth it. <laughs> so how do we help? It's some, some of those listening may know immediately what it is that they, that they need to, to trust God to help them move through the trauma. Um, for others, I think there's an opportunity here to to be more alert and again empathetic to those that are in your life or those that you're maybe actively discipling. Do you have any advice or experience that you would share, Heidi, in in terms of helping people open up and share, um, finding out if there is something that things to look for that that might indicate that this is an area that folks might need help with before they're able to really move forward and mature? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing that I would say is that um, you cannot take someone where you have not been. So while, yes, I am a huge advocate for like healing your own wounds um, and becoming whole for yourself and your relationship with the Lord, but it's also to help others. It like... And the more you do it, the more, I, I think, the more naturally empathetic you become for others. So I don't necessarily believe that empathy is something that you can like study and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe the Lord gives us empathy from some traumatic stuff. Um, so that is the, like the first thing I would say is go into, go into hmm. your stuff so that you can help others go into their stuff. Um, Another thing I would say is uh, being able to like read body language, which you can mm-hmm. learn how to do that. Um, right. But, you know, I think asking questions and letting that person just talk and reading their body language as they talk, um, that is a skill that is learned. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if I'm, if I'm sharing a, traumatic thing with you, Andrew, and suddenly you ask me a question and I look down, it's a pretty good indicator that I'm hiding. I don't want to talk about that or I'm hiding something. Um, Mm -hmm. so kind of learning how to push without feeling forceful, right? um, like guiding someone there, um, through questions. I think that's a really good one. Hmm. Um, you know, one, yeah. And I think, Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, and I think just the other really, really important one is uh, just kindness. Um, Kindness for, well, one, we need to have, again, kindness to ourselves. We need to accept kindness from ourselves so that we can accept kindness from others. But we need to have kindness towards ourselves so that we can give kindness to others. And we need to have kindness for the person sharing the story and for the person 
that they were when the story happened. Hmm. So just kindness all around. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, um, I do, I do agree that I don't think you can just like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and become more empathetic. Um, I would say, I think we can become more others focused. So there are a couple of keys to that, that, that spring to mind. I think one is just having space in our own lives. Something that I know has kept me from being available to others to really help them work through these deeper issues and conversations is just, I don't have space in my life. Like I'm going, I'm doing, and to take the time to really, you're not going to rush a conversation that is, is at that emotional depth. So, um, as Americans, I, I do think we're maybe one of the reasons why we do have so much unresolved trauma is because we are all so busy that, um, it's just easier to ignore it until it flares up again. Um, so we can just be, create space in our lives so that others, we we have that, that capacity to engage with others at that level. And then, um, I think, uh, another one that comes to mind is just being alert. Um, I, I have some conversations that are jumping to mind just from the last few weeks where, you know, we're having, we're having a, a general conversation. I'm thinking of one that I have with a friend recently, a, a younger guy that I'm discipling. And he just shared about some of the losses that he had, you know, he lost his, his parents at a pretty young age and his grandparent. And so those are, I, I think we can be alert to say, you know, maybe they just share it as part of something that they're talking about, but to be alert and to say, you know, the, to, to ask follow on, follow on questions like, well, what was that like? And how did that affect you? You know, when you were a teenager and that happened, what changed in the family life, uh, your home life? Um, and sometimes just expressing an interest to, to learn more, mm-hmm. um, I think can open up those kinds of conversations. So, um, you know, if you're not a, I am not a naturally empathetic person. I'm very, uh, type A and task oriented. Um, but I'm, I've, I'm trying to learn as I get older to be alert to moments like that, where there are opportunities to, to ask those, those follow on questions, which really can one communicate interest, like genuine interest that, Mm -hmm. Hey, I want to know your story and, and, um, you know, what God's done to bring you to where you're at today. And two, that I've got time. I've got, I've got interest in time <laughs> to hear your story and to, uh, if possible, even if it's just to listen, to, to hear it and to, to pray with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just understanding that you, the listener, um, you don't fix that person. Right. You, that's not your job. You, mm-hmm. you can't, um, the pressure's off of you, but you can and do care about that person and their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should, yeah, I should redact the, you can't learn empathy. I think that you can take steps and, and we do have a responsibility to take steps to be like what you said, others focused. I just think also there is the Holy Spirit aspect of mm. he uses our terrible situations to help us help others. Yeah. 
And that's really the promise of the resurrection. You know, that's that's what we see in the in the in the New Testament is that, you know, because Jesus has experienced this resurrection and this new life, that is the promise that then extends to us. That it gives us hope that, hey, this is something that God can bring us through because He's He's already done it in the life of someone else. And so, in the same way, there's there is freedom and healing out there for us for the trauma that we've experienced because other people have gone through very you know similar situations and God has brought them through and and you know there there's hope there was well, we um as we kind of wrap up this conversation we, we are going to have some resources for folks but any last thoughts that stand out to you Heidi on on this topic of trauma and how it affects our walk with the Lord yeah I just think if I have not encouraged the listeners enough already to like dive into their trauma and start exploring it. Um, yes. Something that I learned that really sticks with me is it, it affects, it it really affects every single relationship that you have. Um, I heard a quote once that said pain that is not processed is projected. Hmm. Um, so it, yeah, it really affects every relationship to include your relationship with God. And I think once I learned that, I was able to start connecting like, oh my gosh, I absolutely have been viewing God incorrectly. And so just my relationship with the Lord, and I think the people that I've seen also like collectively, our relationships with the Lord, when we've gone into our trauma and started processing it, it's just, it's a more intimate relationship. And, um, and I think obviously that also affects all of your relationships. So mm. that is, I think, um, I mean, I, I think I believe most of our listeners desire an intimate relationship with the Lord. And so I'm pretty passionate about this. So I just think this is an area where maybe we can learn to go deeper with the Lord. As you were talking, it, it just struck me that, God calls us to Sunday. You know, he calls us to Resurrection Sunday. That That is where he wants to bring us. And, and maybe that's one of the differences that we can keep in mind when the difference between just dwelling in our, our troubles or, you know, you know, being guilty of having a victim mentality. Um, the difference is, no, God wants us to, to move through to Sunday. <laughs> that, that is what yep. he's calling us to. All we're saying is that you need to go through Saturday to get there, to, to truly process that, those wounds and that trauma so that you can experience that new life and freedom that the Lord offers us and so that you can be someone who can encourage others and help them recognize trauma and trust the Lord to, to work through it. Well, Heidi, I appreciate it. I know this was something you and I talked about last year, and this is our first opportunity to, to actually talk about it. Um, and it's awesome to be able to introduce you to the, uh, the community here. So thank you for coming on today and sharing. And I'm looking forward to the next time we have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andrew. This is so fun.